You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have a buddy of mine uh, from all over the place. He's been in uh, so many different bands and so many different facets of the music industry. Uh, you know, I used to see him in magazines when I was a teenager, Guitar World magazine, and and had all the the crazy you know posters and articles and everything. Um, and so, Mister Blasco, Rob Blasco, uh, is my guest today, and he is uh, currently playing for Ozzy Osbourne. You've probably seen him if you're some of the 20-some thousand people every night that are watching him play. Uh, he's also played with Rob Zombie, uh, Danzig, Prong, Cryptic Slaughter. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, an amazing bass player, an amazing dude. Uh, we were able to meet up finally in person in Mexico City when I was down there uh, for the Aussie show. Um, Hell and Heaven Fest down there and had breakfast and it was just a great time uh, getting to experience a festival like that uh, with the, the backstage access. Um, seeing behind the curtain, if you will, is always uh, a super interesting experience. Um, so big thanks to Blasco for that and big thanks to Blasco for coming on the show. Um, I was in Philly when I recorded this. Uh, he was in L.A. 
Uh, we were at podcast movement and just had a just had a good time. So big thanks to Ray if you're listening as well for letting me use your hotel room to record the interview. Uh, we had to leave our Airbnb as I was supposed to be doing the interview, so we made some changes. Anyways, things like that happen all the time. Podcasting, we keep it punk rock. We I've recorded interviews everywhere, literally everywhere, from a car to a van to a bathroom. Uh, wherever we got to do it to get it done. Uh, it's, it's part of the fun of it. Um, and I'm glad you guys enjoy hearing these episodes week after week. Maybe there'll be some time where I go through and list out everywhere I recorded <laughs> this podcast for you guys. But, uh, anyways, uh, big thanks to Blasco. Blasco's also, uh, owns mercenary artist management. Um, he's a, he's a manager as well. Manages Zach Wild. Uh, Blackville Brides, all that stuff. So uh, very cool and very prolific guy. Uh, you'll hear on the episode his story um, if you're not familiar with who he is, which I'm shocked if you're not. <laughs> anyway, uh, he's also a podcaster. So he's got he's a Jabberjaw family member. He is uh, the co-host of the Managemental Podcast on Jabberjaw, and he just released a new level. Uh, he released it binge style on Netflix, kind of where you get all the episodes at once. Uh, so go check out a new level. Uh, he talks to a lot of people in the industry, some really cool people, um, and check out Managemental as well uh, on the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. So let's get some business out of the way before we jump into this thing here. Uh, I would like to say a big thank you to Sticker Ninja again. Check out StickerNinjaPDX.com. Uh, and for actually, they're actually giving us a coupon code for you guys to use. They made the new batch of peer pleasure stickers, uh, and they do a fantastic job. It's absolutely amazing. Peer pleasure 10 will get you 10% off your order over at sticker ninja PDX.com. So go check them out. Check out the new peer pleasure stickers on Instagram. You can see them everywhere. I'm going to get them up on the store soon for you guys to purchase. And Really looking forward to you guys uh, getting able to purchase those because they, they just did an awesome job. Uh, so big thanks to Sticker Ninja. Uh, Rockabilia.com is your one-stop shop for over 500,000 items in the store, all licensed from the bands. I know you heard the ad at the beginning, but I always like to throw them another shout-out on the show as well. Check out Rockabilia.com. They've been supporting the network and supporting the show, I think, for almost a year now. So we're approaching our 90th episode coming up soon and a big episode 100 still working out what we're going to do there, but it's going to be awesome. So I appreciate you guys coming back week after week. Uh, check out peerpleasurepodcast.com for all the information on the show, uh, all the sponsor stuff's on there, uh, show notes, everything. Um, if you got any questions, concerns, episode, uh, or guest, uh, suggestions, peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is a way to get a hold of me. I'm usually pretty quick at responding to email. Uh, try to be on there most of the day uh, to be available for you guys because I like you guys uh, listening to the show and sending me feedback and, and everything else. So uh, once again, really appreciate you guys uh, listening week after week. Really big thanks to Blasco for coming on. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Blasco.
Caldwell Blasco. Welcome to the Peer Pleasure Podcast, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Dude, I've been stoked for this one. I know we had to reschedule once, and I feel so bad, but uh, I've been I've been stoked for this one for a long time, and I'm glad you're home and comfortable and not running around uh, running around the world like you're doing all the time. Yeah, no, I was starting to feel like Ian, dude. Like I was like, oh, I, I I'm making him chase me down, and just to make sure that it's <laughs> Just to make sure that it's a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> today, I, we were just talking before we started rolling, but we got kicked out of the Airbnb at 11 for checkout, and there's no option for later checkout, and we had scheduled this. I'm in Philly right now. Blasco's in California, so it's noon my time, which we had scheduled, so like, shit, I'm going to have to find a small spot in the, the hallway to, to tuck away and do this. I was like, I'm not going to cancel again. Like, I'm not going to do it. And... Mm. uh yeah, so we got hooked up with a room with a, a friend from Megaphone, and and here we are. But, um, dude, so you've got a lot going on. There's a lot I want to talk to you about, but you got a lot going on right now. You've got, uh, you're off the road for a little while. Uh, you got a few dates with Zach Sabbath coming up, right? You've got uh, the Aussie stuff is done for right now. Yeah, we're on a pause for Aussie. Uh, we go back out uh, at the end of at the end of August. We do like a our US uh, run. Um, and, uh, yeah, Zach Sabbath, we have three shows We're we're playing psycho Las Vegas, um, on the 19th, but we wanted to do a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of shows leading up to it. So we don't roll into psycho like rusty, you know, so, you know, want to shake the dust off on a couple (laughs) of other shows. So, so, uh, and then, um, over the course of our very short but uh, relatively successful career, we've done this thing where we do a three we do three shows and we call it a world tour. So this will be our third three show world tour. So we're very excited. We're very excited about that. People are still confused and don't get the joke. And I don't even know that I get the joke. But either way, it's a joke, and that's the way it rolls. Sure, it seems like everything <laughs> Zach does is is with tongue in cheek humor. Yes. So, I mean, even just down to the whole the whole concept of Zach Sabbath just became out of like a joke thing. And then we're like, I don't know, man, like, let's just do some gigs and see what happens. And we're like, oh, wow, people like dig this. So let's just keep doing it. So, yeah, man, it's been good times. Dude, that rules. That rules. And so so a little background. So you and I were introduced through Mike Mowry and Jabberjaw and everything like I was kind of. uh I was getting with Jabberjaw the same time you and Mike were starting Managemental, um, which is so you have a podcast called Managemental. You have a podcast called The New Level, both on Jabberjaw, and we'll talk about those. Um, but for people listening that may not know, for some reason, not know who you are, I don't know how that would happen, but it might. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, and Blasco also plays bass, like we're talking about for Ozzy Osbourne and uh, Zach Sabbath, and also runs a management company called Mercenary Management. And uh, you manage Zach Wilde and you manage uh, Blackville Brides, correct? Correct. Okay. Perfect. Well, you and I finally actually met in randomly in Mexico City, uh, like on a whim, flew down to hang out and watch the show with, with uh, Heaven and Hell Fest. And we got to meet at a nice breakfast at a nice hotel and chat. And uh, that was awesome. And so... Um, now we're kind of we're on the same network together and and doing all these things you've got multiple podcasts on the network you've got managemental with mike and so managemental is a cool um 
a cool format because you're taking articles and things from friends and stuff that you find on or sometimes people you don't know on the internet and then basically dissecting them and giving your take along with Mike on as as managers on what you feel is you know correct not correct or or putting your own take on it um and i i really like that format i listen to it every week um and i'm not a manager i'm not in the music business anymore but i still find it interesting so um and like i said it at uh not to go on too long here but as i said at lunch or breakfast in mexico city uh my knowledge of you started back when i was in high school and you got you and Riggs from Rob Zombie would be in Guitar World magazine. And I always remembered that name and then the the posters and stuff like that. Um, so it was cool to meet you in Mexico and and chew the fat. I mean, we talked podcasts like you were joking about Ian Mackay <laughs> making me chase him. And uh, yeah, so that's a little background on how we how we know each other. Um, but I wanted to I wanted to start out at the beginning. I mean, you're a you're an L.A. kid, grew up. And the cool thing about you is what I gather is you kind of had a uh, this all or nothing approach to music as far as this is what I'm going to do. There's nothing else. And threw all the eggs in that basket and went for it. Hardcore. Is that correct for me for me to to assume from what I know about you so far? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, Mike and I, we bring this up from time to time on the podcast and because, you know, like everyone everyone listening to the podcast really is someone aspiring to be successful in the music business. And it's not like Mike and I are the most successful dudes in the music business. However, music does pay our bills. So mm-hmm. there is a level of success there that, you know, we, we get up and we run our own businesses and our businesses are music businesses. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so we have success in that way. Um, but I, I often say like, I have to, I can only really judge from my own experiences and my own observations. And the, the thread that joins myself as well as the people that I've worked with that are successful people, the commonality between all of us is that there was no other option. Mm-hmm. That, like we were 100% invested in working in music and we were going to do that or we were going to die trying but there was no option there was no backup plan there was no thought that anything other than what happened was what was going to happen like it, it and and so yes the answer to your question is i was a overly invested in a career in music and you know for whatever reason, we could debate that a million different ways <laughs> of how that actually came to be. But I believe that the easy answer is that because it happened because there was no other thought process that it wasn't going to happen. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Because you started in high school with Cryptic Slaughter, right? Like it was, you were still like finishing high school or right at the tail end? By the time I graduated high school... Cryptic Slaughter had put out three records. <laughs> like we we got signed we got signed when I was 15 and then we put out records when I was 16, 17 and 18 which were all the years that I was in high school. And we were all in high school with the exception of of the Les, the guitar player, he was a little bit older than us. Um but uh 
but yeah, I, I, and I attribute a lot of my forward momentum success that I did get started at such an early age and did so much at such an early age. I mean, we were signed to Metal Blade Records. It wasn't like we were, you know, we were signed to some dog shit label. I mean, yeah. you know, like Metal Blade is still super legit. And, you know, Brian Slagle, the owner of Metal Blade, has been, you know, a longtime friend and, and, and colleague and, you know, supporter of all things. And, um, and, and that's where my career started. So, you know, I mean, if you think about that, it, it's like, he's been, he's been a thread throughout my entire life and someone that I could rely on to bounce ideas off of, or, you know, to shop new bands to, or, you know, and, and whatever. So I feel like, you know, my success is that I was able to start to build a network very early on mm -hmm. um and that that i believe attributed a lot to my uh, you know my forward momentum success route i 100 percent agree with you there on that and that's something that i wanted to ask about too because you started so young building that network i mean in your school years i mean you were still in your school years when you were doing this but was were you the guy that it was easy to make friends and I mean, did, did that networking come naturally to you or is that something you really had to work on to, to put yourself out there and be outgoing enough like you are now to establish and maintain these relationships that you have? I mean, honestly, I didn't even know what networking was then. Mm -hmm. I mean, cause we're, you know, I mean, I don't even know that like any of the stuff that you and I focus on or re read blogs about or listen to podcasts about or any of the education that we do for ourselves at this point like none of that shit was even around like you kind of just went with the flow yeah you know and and you know it's interesting to look back on that era because we're talking mid 80s right yeah. Thra yeah. thrash metal crossover bones brigade like we didn't know how good we had it <laughs> you know and and, and 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 because you don't know like whenever you're in the middle of it you don't know i mean it's like when you think about the culture of skateboarding and punk rock and fanzines and vinyl and cassette tape trading and just the, the, the vibrant underground culture at that time that like it was just about discovery and it was about, you know what I mean? Like yeah. everything was so new, like skateboarding was so new punk rock crossover fanzines like independent labels like all that shit was so new mm -hmm. i mean we're talking about like the master of puppets reign in blood era yeah. you know whenever those guys were paving the way uh, you know for the rest of us and there was just so much happening so many independent labels so many bands so so many like cool shows like tour, like touring at that level was so new and discovering bands from abroad and everything like so vibrant and and i'm not saying that we took it for granted i mean you know we didn't know but in hindsight now that you look back on that and you just go like that was the golden age man yeah. i don't know <laughs> like, if anyone realizes how good they had it back then i mean i don't think i think it's all hindsight i mean i think it was all i mean everyone was just living in the moment I mean, you didn't have all this instantaneous gratification on the, I mean, you didn't have, you didn't have, you had a clear mind still because you didn't have the, you didn't turn on the news and see, you know, what happened to this person's, this person's dog, or this person got kicked out of a waffle restaurant because of this. You didn't have all this, this content hitting you 
in the face, everything you took in was something that was important and, and was happening to you or near you. Like it wasn't, mm-hmm. you didn't have this cloud of, of, you know, things you do not care about to, to like push out all the, the, the special things. Like everything was right there or in the near uh, vicinity of you, I think is, it ties a big part into that. I, I mean, especially, I mean, I'm a few, I'm a few years younger. So like I was, I was born in 82. So the nineties was my time, but still there wasn't the internet. There wasn't cell phones. It was still, you know, somewhat contained to where you were really, if you discovered something, it hit you harder than now, like finding a band on Spotify and like, Oh cool. Let me check out 30 other ones. You know, it was just yeah. right there. And you had, you had a real special time back then with like the SST era shit going on, pioneers of, of DIY touring. I mean, and you guys touring in that same time, were you taking cues from, from those bands? Like, like as far as like, um, kind of their work ethic and their, their, uh, kind of forging the way like the black flags and, and, uh, you know, just kind of cutting their way through. Not really. And, and once again, to be clear, like, I don't want to make it sound like I'm the old guy that was like, <laughs> Oh man, back in the day, like, you know what I mean? Like, like I, I'm not like, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I roll with it. I'm just saying like, my only observation of mentioning that is that whenever you're in the middle of it, you don't realize what exactly you're in the middle of. And now in hindsight, I can look back on it and go, man, what a great experience that I was able to grow up when I grew up and how much that that was indicative of how important it was to my life and how it carved the path for the rest of my life. Right. Like the, like the other guys didn't go that way. Mm -hmm. Like whenever, whenever crypto slaughter more or less disbanded as the, the four of us in 1988, we all went our separate ways, but I was the only one stupid enough to pursue like a career in music. And when I say stupid, it's just, it's so unlikely, right? The, The other guys went to more traditional, you know, college, jobs wives you you know what i mean families or whatever nothing wrong with that obviously but i wanted nothing to do with college family like raising a family like getting a job like i wanted nothing to do with any of that shit like i only like rock and roll was my only goal in life and um so that kind of ties into what we were saying earlier but but then but to go back to your question to go back then like once again, man, like we were just rolling with it. Like yeah. I don't I don't I don't know that we spent a lot of time analyzing other than it's like you know, that was that was a time to where, you know, luckily Les was a little bit older, so he was the one that kind of took command of being the responsible guy. And he was the guy that was the networking guy in that he was he was the one that was the tape trader and made a lot of connections and and you know brought gigs to us and stuff. Cause it's not like any of us, any of us bands at that time had managers or like, like managers or booking agents or like anything. I mean, label like independent labels were so new. Right. And like manager, like we didn't even know what that was. Like we, it, it, it didn't even come into like, it didn't even come into reality, you know? Yeah. And, and like a booking agent, like we, we didn't know any of that stuff. It was just kind of like, we got an offer to do a show in Portland because of, our friends in Wehrmacht or the accused or whatever. And we mm-hmm. put together like little runs and, and stuff. And, and, uh, we just kind of carved our way, but like, yeah, man, I mean, you know, black flags, a good example of, you know, those guys really took a machete to the United States and, and just hacked a path 
And, you, you know, I mean, the, some of these clubs that we rolled into, I mean, it was like they were not prepared for what was about to happen. Everything, you know, this was so new, like these crowds, the, the way that they acted, the, you know, the, the violence and 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 just and it's not even that it was violent in, in a way. I mean, it was it was friendly violent. But like if you're a club owner or you're a club promoter and, you know, like you're selling this show to the club owner and the club owner has no idea what's about to happen because everything was so new then, yeah. you know, like it wasn't even called moshing. Like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> whenever we were first doing show, it wasn't called moshing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that, that wasn't a word that had been invented yet. You know, yeah. bl like blast beat, the term blast beat hadn't been invented yet. You know, there, there, there was, we saw, we were living the shit then it wasn't been given it wasn't terminology yet you yeah. know that that stuff all came way later sure okay well what when did you get your your break into the next project after cryptic slaughter had come to an end like you when when it came to an end did you have to get like a uh at that point i mean you're you're still really young but but getting like a like a shitty day job to survive until the next thing or did you have did you cruise right into the next project no, I mean, shitty day jobs. I mean, that's that's just part of it. You know, yeah. I mean, you got you got to figure the slaughter. We were all living at home with mommy and daddy and, yeah. and, and and that. So so once that stopped happening, you know, reality sets in and you're like, well, I got to I got to fund my rock and roll dream. Yeah. Um. So so, you know, shitty day jobs were a part of it. But um. But, you know, I always try to keep them fun. Like I worked at cool retail stores that sold punk rock clothes. And you, you know what I mean? Like I. I, even though I had shitty retail jobs, it was like they were still rock and roll jobs, sure, you know. Sure. Um, and uh, and um, but um, but yeah. So the next the next thing, you, you know, this is this is getting into the nineties, and and then and the nineties were in in Los Angeles were very eclectic and, and yet very robust. There was a very strong music scene at the time mm -hmm. and, and and you know musically it was interesting because there was it was just music right like it was just rock music or it was just alternative music it was there was there wasn't really so much subgenre of stuff it was just rock music i mean you had in the same in the same clubs in the same sentence you had jane's addiction tool Rage Against the Machine, you, you know, Nine Inch Nails. I mean, it was like, it was just, it was all over the place, but it was so cool because everyone was so unique to what they were doing. Yeah. Um, and so my next project was the, like this industrial rock kind of project, like almost like a Nine Inch Nails ministry KMFDM mm -hmm. type of thing that we got signed by Michael Lago. Um, that if you haven't seen the documentary on Netflix, who the fuck is that guy? Um, that's definitely, <laughs> that's definitely, that's definitely worth a watch. And that's, that's the documentary on Michael Lago who signed us, who also signed Metallica and white zombie and, and, uh, you know, a slew of other very important artists of, you know, of the, the, the you know, of our time. Yeah. And, um, and then we were managed by, uh, Walter O'Brien who was managing Pantera at the time or whatever. So, you know, we had, we had some, some big shit, uh, attached to us. Um, but it, 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 it was indicative a lot in the nineties. 
that, you know, these major labels would sign a band, spend half a million dollars on making their record, throw it out there. And if it didn't stick, they would drop them and move on. And that was that was what happened to us. Um, and, uh, you know, and in hindsight, I can look back and look at all the mistakes that we made um, in doing that. But we followed our gut and we were, you know, quote unquote, artists to be already party and you know make the record that we wanted to make and and uh and that's what we did and you know yeah it didn't work but you know at the end of the day i felt like you know us putting out the record that we wanted to put out and getting dropped was okay yeah because because it you know we it, we made the record on a major label on our own terms and if it was going to be successful it would have been on our own terms and it wasn't successful because it wasn't the right record at the right time and uh, I, I could live with that. Um, but that's that that was a pivotal point in my life whenever I then made the decision to only be a hired gun. Like I'm going, like I made the decision of like moving forward in my musical career. I just want to be a hired gun. I just want to be told when to show up. I don't want to deal with the, the personalities and the conflicts and the compromising that it takes to be in your own band mm-hmm. um i just i just i grew out of it and it wasn't something that i really wanted to do anymore and i would rather just be told here's the set list here's when the bus call is like i just would rather <laughs> I, I would just i would just rather simplify my life in a way to where i want to play music but i want to get on stage and i want to play music that's already popular you know yeah and it's a very easy thing to say and when you look at me making that decision and my trajectory of then going from Prong to Danzig to Rob Zombie to Ozzy Osbourne, like that is fucking out of control amazing <laughs> that that happened that way. Yeah. But that's how that happened. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, you're I mean, your roster is insane. Like the, the 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 trajectory you're talking about is like one in a billion like it's yeah it's insane and but that also is a testament to you as a person because you know uh, immediately when we met in mexico like immediately i was like i like this guy like you you have this personality that's that's infectious like but you're easygoing but at the same time i mean you know what you're talking about you know what you want like i can i can pick that up really quickly but in your position being a hired gun you have to be a personable person that can get along with a lot of crazy situations and personalities. I mean, you still have, you still have the personalities you're dealing with on a, on a surface level, as far as being, you know, uh, employed by these people. But I mean, that's a testament to you, you, your longevity and where you're at now to who you are as a person. I mean, just being a, a good person that people want to be around, you know, cause uh, I think there's a documentary uh, on hired guns that I watched that, you know, they're talking about, yeah, you just have to, you know, hope you still <laughs> hope you can can get along with people enough to keep your job, because if not, you're gone and it's someone else. And it's it's super competitive. I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, just looking at that alone as a hired gun. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. 
Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. 
Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So, so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. I mean, I mean potentially the difference is, is that I made a conscious decision to do that mm -hmm. as opposed as opposed to falling into it um and you really need to check your ego at the door yeah um i i, I because it's like as a hired gun i've seen so many hired guns lose perspective of of the situation and the, you know you got to understand that you know like you're showing up for a job you got to look the part. You got to play the part. Mm -hmm. You have to. You have to make sure that the dude's name that's on the ticket is having a good time, and that his audience thinks that it's the best show they've ever seen. Like that's that's your job. Yeah. And um, and you have to take that job seriously. But you have. And but what I was saying is that you have to check your ego at the door. You have to understand that your name isn't on the ticket. You have mm -hmm. to understand that these people are not there to see you. And. Unfortunately, I've seen a lot of people lose perspective and they really think that these people are there to see them. And um, and you see some real some real music tragedies yeah. <laughs> from people like that or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, look, once again, I, I think I, I attributed a lot to that. I made a conscious decision to do what I did. Uh, and I knew what I was getting myself into because I knew that's what I wanted to do. And, um, and, you know, maybe the difference is, is people that just kind of fall into it and they sort of, you know, lose perspective and they, and they don't understand like, you know, what it takes to be able to, to do what I do what I do. Sure. Sure. And you, you get, I mean, going from the, you know, kind of starry eyed, uh, you know, younger days of, you know, I'm sure seeing like Ozzy and, and stuff back then, like there's just this magic to to what's going on. It's like that that Detroit Rock City movie where the, the guys just want to go to the show and see what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And they'll fight the parents to go. But now you get to see how the sausage is made kind of or you get to you see behind the curtain and something of a production that size and, and what goes into it and all the little things that kind of I mean, when for you did you kind of see that the, that change as far as uh, where it's no longer it's it's kind of I guess it became a job right away, but you know what I mean where people go and see an Aussie show it's this spectacle and it's magical and it's just larger than life but you see everything behind that curtain um, I mean did that change anything in you as as a as a musician or as a as a, a person in general having that veil kind of pulled away to where yep it's another night like. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Where it's less of a, uh, for you, 
you get to go on stage and play these shows and you're looking at the audience, but the audience is seeing this massive production, but you know how it all works. There's no tricks. Like, uh, does that make sense what I'm saying? Well, I mean, you know, I've always been behind the scenes, so I, I know, I, I know the, the difference, I guess, but like, there's no, there, yeah. I think I'm still like, look, it's, it, it's a job, but it's not a job because I enjoy every second of it. Yeah. Um, and, and like, and it's, I'm not so desensitized by it that like I'm a robot, you mm. know, it's like, man, like every night that I get on stage and I, I still can't believe that I'm playing war pigs yeah. or that I'm playing crazy train. Like, yeah, you know, you have to understand that I was listening to blizzard of oz before the thought process of even owning an instrument was yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like like I, I i was always a huge music fan but like whenever i first whenever i made my parents buy me my first kiss record i didn't i didn't understand that kiss played instruments like i just thought that they were superheroes yeah. you know yeah like i did it, it's like it didn't compute so here we are, you know, so many later, it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 I can't put it into words. Like it's, it's hard to, you know, it's, it's impossible to explain. Um, but it's, you know, it's out of this world that I get to get on stage with that dude, you know, every night and play those songs for, you know, tens of thousands of people every night. I mean, when you think, like I, you know, when you think of all of those things combined, like you know what I mean, like like it's pretty intense. Like oh yeah, I mean I'd I'd be stoked playing good music to you know less people, yeah. But like it, but it's pretty it's pretty intense that that's my role sure. is to is to play those dudes' songs for that guy for that audience every night. It's insane. It's absolutely yeah. insane. And when we were in Mexico, like I had. It's the one that it's like I've become not become jaded, but the reason I ask that is because for me too, being in music for a while behind the scenes, like I remember the magic of I mean, my first show was Mike Ness, Social D, Chuck Biscuits on drums, White Light, White Heat record um, in Alaska nice. changed my whole fucking life, and but now I've seen like behind that that magic. And so it was rare for me to have an experience like that again, where I would go see a show and just be this spectacle. But in Mexico with you, before you guys went on, you guys, I think you and Zach were jamming, uh, warming up in the back and, and we had a, uh, an Aussie pass. We had one. Um, and Mike's like, go back there, check it out. I was like, okay. I walked back there and there was really no one there. It was just this weird kind of satellite dressing room area where there's no ceilings. Right. So uh, literally like a dressing room at a store. And I sat down in a chair and all of a sudden behind me, literally behind that thin wall, Ozzy starts warming up his vocals. Yeah. Like five feet away from me. And I got those chills and that, that, that magic hit me again for the first time in at least 10 years. Like I was like, I'm hearing something right now that people don't hear and I'll carry it forever. But like that, that brought me back. And then when you guys hit the stage, even though I was coming from the back of the stage where nothing's happening, 
that magic was there again. And I was just watching you and seeing how much fun you were having and Zach, how much fun he's having. And everyone was just having a great time. And it was just this whole special moment. Like we're in Mexico randomly. Like this is, it's crazy shit, man. And you get to do that every night and a new city, new country, like the, and seeing and talking to you about the crazy, like the funny spinal tap moments with the airplane shit and and all that stuff that you get to see all the time just has got to be the best time ever. I mean, and I see what you're saying there. Um, but yeah, it never, it never gets old, man. Like I'm still like pinching myself. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like if we're doing a festival, you know, like that festival or what, you know, and, and we're just hanging out and then like, here comes Rob Halford in the dressing room. And I was like, what? Like, and, and like, he knows who I am. And I was just like, Oh, this is fucking <laughs> insane. And then it'll be like, Oh, oh you know, like years ago, it'd be like, Oh, oh um, uh, Lemmy's going to ride with us on the plane tonight because of, you know, actually he needs to get to somewhere to do something. And I was oh, just like, oh, like, what? And, 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 and it's like, I'm sitting across the plane from Lemmy. And it's like, it's like, you know what I mean? It's, but it's like, it, it, it never gets old. Like I'm still like, I still don't even feel like I'm part. Like I still feel like an outsider. You know, I still yeah. feel like I'm like, I'm the dude, like making sure that I don't take selfies with these guys. Cause it's totally lame. But even though I really want to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you can admit that, that you still want to, you just have yeah. the opportunities are insane. And, and, uh, all right, guys, I wanted to take a quick second to mention another sponsor for the show, Rockin' Stickers. Rockin' Stickers, you can find them on Instagram at Rockin' Stickers, rockinstickers.com. Uh, they are a fantastic, fantastic company as well. I try to keep everything very local uh, as I can on the show, working with a few different suppliers. And Rockin' Stickers out of Eugene, Oregon has made a new batch of stickers as well for the show. Uh, I know you guys have seen the T-shirt. Um, we have the same design as a sticker and then the pleasure skull, which you guys love. Uh, that one's also been printed up by Rockin' Stickers as well. So be sure to check them out, rockinstickers.com rocking stickers on instagram you can see all the stuff they've done they do a lot of stuff in the lowbrow scene which is the scene that i love a lot of the artwork for our stickers comes from that scene uh wooden cyclops and boss dog and all those guys so while you're at instagram checking out rocking stickers check out the rest of the great lowbrow artists they work with uh and keep supporting the show all right back to the show man so the other cool facet of what you're doing now, aside from the music, st is well, it's still tied to music, but your your management company, and you get to play on stage pretty much every night with your client, with Zach, and oh well, yeah, and, no, yeah, that's that's a, that's 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 a new one. That yeah. I have that I I mean I haven't done you know any research on it, <laughs> but I gotta think that I'm one of a kind when in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, you need to you need to write a book on all this. But the one thing I wanted to talk about with the management side, because I know you talk a lot about the management side on the podcast. I want people to listen to the podcast uh, for that kind of stuff. But one thing you've done that really fascinates me is started companies for your clients. Like Zach, I want to start a guitar company, amp company, like Wild Audio. Like, how did you go about that kind of task? I mean, because you've come from, I mean, you're just, you're just, you like it, like, and you'll probably say the same thing. Like you're just rolling with it. Like, yeah. But what was that process like to do that? Because I mean, that's some badass stuff that's coming out. But when he says, Blasco, I want, I want to start a guitar company. I need you to help me. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, I mean, look, you, it, you have to, you have to understand that 
the only way that that's anything like that is successful, regardless of who it is and regardless of what they want to do, they have to really want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning that, you know, Zach wanting to start a guitar company, it starts with him of like, I have all these ideas. These are, these are all the shapes. These are, these are all the graphics. The, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is what I want to sound like. This is what I want the fret. This is the size of the fret wire. Like, you know, down to every last detail of what he wants to do and why he wants to do it. Right. It wouldn't be like, and if, and that then becomes not easier, but it becomes more, it becomes a, a, a process that's easier to diagnose rather than him going like, like, well, I mean, why can't I be Fender? You know, if, if it was like this broad stroke idea of wanting to do something, but no real thought, you know, no real enthusiasm behind it, yeah. it becomes a, a difficult process. But you know, this is a lifelong dream for the guy. Mm-hmm. And whenever, whenever I, I came into the fold, it just kind of was happenstance that, that all of his deals with these companies were expiring. And I was like, look, dude, like we could re up these deals or we could explore the idea of starting your own company. And he's like, well, yeah, I would, that, that's a dream. <laughs> like I would much rather do that. And I go, okay, well, He's like, how do we do that? I go, I have no fucking idea, man. But like, <laughs> like I, 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 I'm, I'm because there's no one else that I can borrow it from. It's not like, like Eddie Van Halen, like his company is very transparently just a licensed deal with Fender. Yeah, you know. So, like, but we don't want to do that. Like, we want it to be his own brand and his own company. So how do we do that? It's not like if it, it, it's, it's, we, if we don't want to do this other model and we don't want to do just, you know, a, a royalty deal with, you know, with like a, with a signature series with some other company, if we want to create a brand new brand, how do we do that? And then my challenge is how do I do that? and then not have his startup costs be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Right. So I'm not going to tell you how I did it. Sure. Of course. Yeah. But, but how I did it required, you know, it was two years of, of looking under the hood, researching it. How does someone create a brand from nothing um, regardless of what that is? And then whenever I, I got to that point of how you create a brand from nothing, then it was me picking up the phone and calling, you know, guitar companies mm-hmm. and being like, "Hey, do you want to get in the Zach Wild business?" And some <laughs> and and remarkably, some people were like, "No, I don't," and I and I respect that. And and then you know where where we ended up, they were like, "Hell yeah, we want to get in the Zach Wild business." So, um, but like I said, it took two years to to you know get there. Yeah, you know. Of, of trial and error and, you know, getting prototypes and him, you know, making amendments to it and, and, uh, really, really getting there. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I appreciate the fact that you, you know, even noticed that because, you know, most people, most people don't. Dude, I notice so many, I mean, you're an inspiration as far as your work ethic and just your ability to roll with it as you said like i mean just to i mean the amount of time and work that you put in for your clients at the same time the time and work you put in being 
who you need to be on stage. I mean, the fact, I mean, your perspective is fascinating because you have so many different facets you have to have perspective for, but your take on things and your attitude, I mean, ever since, because I didn't know, I mean, I knew of you and the music you did growing up, but it was the podcast stuff when Mike was first sending me those early demos of Managemental that uh, I really started to kind of take, um, be able to kind of figure out who you were and that was a right. that was a fascinating thing because like this guy has done everything like <laughs> and and then now like in the podcast realm I mean, you're super into podcasts and you know you built a podcast from the ground up that's now doing good really really good things uh and but then you started another one that i want to talk about now because a new level uh, is I mean, you released it binge style, like binge, binge uh, Netflix style, the whole season all at once. Um, I remember chatting about it in Mexico with you, but going through and listening to the episodes, it's basically a window into your network that you've built over these years. And yeah, the one I was skeptical at first, briefly, because it was going to be like kind of a structured. I know you like to keep them about thirty minutes, which I mean, and that's shown to really. Um, when you look at the stats that people listen all the way through more so than a long form deal. But what, what surprised me about a new level when I listened to the episodes was you personalize each one enough to make it feel like there's no structure at all. It's just a great conversation and that's hard to do. And that's something where I admire what you're doing there. And I'm a huge fan of that because it's also cluing me into all these people that I've had questions about or, or heard the name, but had no idea their story, you know? And, uh, I think the reception to that has been good. And I mean, how was building that show for you? It's kind of a labor of love, wasn't it? I mean, going through and talking to all these people again, that, that have had such a big impact on you. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a labor of love. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll give you a little insight into the way my brain works and, and like fights with, with itself. I, I can't, I can't enjoy anything in media. And I, the reason why I can't enjoy anything in media is because if I, if I watch a movie or I watch a TV show or I listen to a podcast or anything that I do, I just listen to music. I, I only think how I could do it better. <laughs> like, like, I, like, for instance, like when I watch Shark Tank, I have, I, I, I finish watching Shark Tank and I go, I have this idea of how I could do like a music related Shark Tank. If I watch The Prophet, I go, oh, I have this idea of how I could do my version of The Prophet. Like, uh -huh. you know what I mean? Like, like I don't enjoy anything because it's like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy it for what it is. I just, my brain starts to go crazy and I just start to try and think of ways to where I can do something that's the same, but in my world. So my, my point here is, is that listening to podcasts like, like, uh, John Lee Dumas entrepreneurs on fire. Yeah. Um, you know, um, dramas, podcasts, um, of short story long, um, the, the hundred dollar MBA, um, things like this. I listened, I, I listened to them and I, and especially 
entrepreneurs on fire. Yeah. Like I listen to that and I go, wow, like that's inspiring because what if I interviewed people that I knew in the music business and what if the purpose of me doing that was to empower other people and inspire other people to pursue their dreams and start their own companies because what I feel like I get a lot of is that people aspire to be in the music business, but they're scared of it because they think that we, we have some secret superpower that they don't have any insight into. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing further from the truth. And that was the mission that I set out on the new, a new level podcast was to, is to go really dive into the deep end and look under the hood of all these people's stories of like, man, the only thing that they, that they have in common is that they were super passionate about this music and, and this genre of music Mm -hmm. and they just went for it, you know? And, and there's nothing about that that no one can't do. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's no superpowers. There's no unfair advantage there. You know, it's not like, oh, well, you know, they started, they were millionaires when they started out. No, that's not true. Like everyone started out from nothing. There was no unfair advantage. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually like whenever you listen to that stuff and like, I was even blown away because like going into the interviews, like I knew what my, what my mission was and, 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 but even I was blown away at how I, I guess I wasn't sure what the commonality was going to be between all these stories. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I, I didn't know everyone's history, even though I knew everyone personally is that I didn't, you know, like we're hanging out and we're like, you, you know, we're like, I'm friends with them and we, we built our, friendships over careers but i've never really dug deep into how they started you know yeah like and and, and, um so i thought it was fascinating that my mission statement was 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 envisioned and was realized but even on a deeper level than i could have imagined you know before i even started talking to these people if that makes sense yeah it absolutely does and you're you're providing a window into uh into the behind the scenes too. I mean, seeing that realness and, and putting these people in a real light and, and kind of making them not making them vulnerable, but putting them in, making them real, like making making them them, real. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. And that that's hard to do, man. And it's, it's, uh, but it's also a really interesting idea because even for someone like me who has kind of, I mean, I've dabbled in this, dabbled in that. I've seen a lot of things, but I've never been on the level um, that a lot of people are in in music on either end of the spectrum. But just things like through podcasting, the things we've been able to do, you and I meeting each other through the podcast. Like you, I mean, uh, I was sitting on my uh, sitting on my couch. I got a text from Mike. Uh, hey, I'm going to go do this thing. Two days later, I'm in Mexico City meeting you. Then that night, I'm popping up real quick on the stage with Ozzy Osbourne like (laughs) through a podcast a fucking podcast that that I started randomly got hooked up with Mike and from that point on we talk every day like things like that but but then 
all these people that I, in the same realm that you're doing now, it, that I was looking to, that Mike's introduced me to, or people have introduced me to, are real people, have real stories, and they're real interesting stories. Like the Tim Borer episode was fantastic. Like the, and I've worked with him when I was trying to talk to Danzig. I, was, I shoot for the stars. And so I was like, hey, why don't we get Danzig on the show? And Mike's like, I don't know. (laughs) Tim Borey's like, yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. But, I mean, you get these little relationships with these people, and and it's just fascinating. You're doing a great job with doing that. And it's going to, I think it's going to inspire a lot of people, which I know you're all about that too, you know, uh, empowering people to do things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Once again, that was, that was the whole, that was the whole idea. Whereas managemental is, educational mm-hmm. i think on some level whereas a new level is supposed to be inspiring yeah. and, and and empowering and like i said the, the mission behind it is just to let people realize that like don't don't let anyone else tell you that you can't do something yeah um and and and, and there's no reason why you can't chase your dreams like we all did it and we're not special you know, we, we, we do not have an unfair advantage. There's nothing about what any of us have done that is something that anyone can't do. Yeah. Like, and, and, and that was, and that was the whole idea behind it. And yeah, like I, I, I very much by design wanted them 30 minutes and I, and, and I wanted them structured um, because I want, I want someone that gets in the rhythm of listening to it to to know whenever they see there's a guest coming on, they're like, Oh man, I can't wait for him to ask him this question. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, 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 and I was very much inspired by entrepreneurs on fire because whenever, I mean, I mean, yes, the show is successful, but it's successful for a reason in that it is short form uh, and that it is formatted. Um, and I very much wanted to replicate that because I thought that because I get something out of listening to his show. So in theory, why wouldn't someone else get something out of that style, but just in my way with my people and my friends, right? So that 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 was, um, and 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 it's also just a, a basis to build upon. Like you said, it's like they all become personalized because. I know these people and their stories are, even though it's like we all work in the same business and it's similar on some level, we're all different in our own ways. Mm-hmm. So the sto- the stories go other places and develop into, into other, you know, side stories, of course. Yeah. And so, but I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, acknowledging that. Yeah, dude, absolutely. And it's, it's, uh, it's something I've enjoyed listening to and I did binge them. I had, I got access to them early, of course, but I didn't finish them all. So I went back through and started at the beginning when you released them and, and on my commutes to work, uh, would listen to a new level and just listen to all I through and it just, I, I'm learning something every time and I'm stoked for the, the next season to come around and, and, uh, I mean, I really appreciate you coming on, man. And I know, I mean, this has been, uh, a long time coming and and uh i love chatting with you and and getting your insight on things and kind of seeing how how you tick and and what gets you going and and uh i love how transparent you are with everything and and uh i mean you just got the great attitude and the work ethic it's inspiring and uh you know i know my listenership will dig it as well and i hope they all go and listen to uh a new level in managemental and catch you on tour and uh man i just really appreciate it blasco 
Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And all right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Blasco. Uh, that was a fun one to do. Uh, he and I have been, you know, touching base back and forth and, and finally got to meet each other and, and have been able to uh, throw some ideas back and forth. And, and uh, it's cool getting to know people through this podcast. I've met a lot of people through this show uh, that I wouldn't have otherwise met. And he's one of them. And, and uh, what a good friend and a good dude. So uh, really appreciate having him on. I hope you guys got something out of the episode. Uh, and are going to go check out uh, Managemental Podcast on Jabberjaw and A New Level. You can listen to all of A New Level episodes, uh, season one, right now, binge style. So if you got some time and you want to learn something about the music business and just hear some good conversations, go check it out. It's called A New Level on Jabberjaw Media. So once again, guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, like I said, the stickers are going to be up in the store shortly. Uh, big thanks to Sticker Ninja and to Rockin' Stickers as well for their uh, support of the show, printing uh, all this stuff up for us. And uh, yeah, we look forward to another episode next week. It's going to be awesome. We've got a few episodes ahead and there's some great stuff coming out and uh, some more interviews I'm doing this month. So stay tuned for those. Keep, keep, keep downloading the show, subscribing, telling friends. Word of mouth is the biggest way to spread this thing. So uh, thank you guys again. And as always, we'll see you on the radio. Well, hey friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.